Section thirty five of Cleek of Scotland Yard by Thomas W. Hanshoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty two. Mr. Narkom. It was an hour later, and Cleek's voice broke the silence abruptly. He had taken out his notebook and had been scribbling in it for some little time, but now, as he spoke, he tore out the written leaf and passed it over to the superintendent. "'Mr. Narkom, I refused in the beginning to give you the address of the little house at which I was located. Here it is. Put it in your pocket-book against future need, will you?' "'Yes, certainly. But, Tinnerman, old chap, what good is it to me now when you've left the place?' "'You will understand, perhaps, when I tell you that Miss Lorne is its present occupant. "'It was for that I took it in the beginning. "'There may come a need to communicate with her. "'There may come a need for her to communicate with you. "'There's always a chance, you know, that a candle may be put out "'when the wind blows at it from all directions. "'And if anything should happen—I mean, if—' uh, "'Anything having a bearing upon me personally "'that you think she ought to be told should come to pass. "'Well, just go to her at once, will you? "'There's a dear friend. "'That's the address. Don't lose it. "'And full directions how to get there speedily. "'I am giving it to you now, as we shall soon be in town again, "'and I shall leave you directly we arrive there.' I'm in haste to get back to Dollops, and see if between us we can't hit upon some plan, he and I, to get at the whereabouts of Valdemar. That plain-clothes man of yours is like the butler with the bottle of cider. He doesn't seem to get any forrader. Kibblewhite, blurted out the superintendent, sitting up sharply. Well, of all the born jackasses, all the muttonheads in this world— well, he doesn't seem to be very bright, I must say. Eh? Lord, I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about myself. I had something to tell you today, and this blessed business drove it clean out of my head. Kibblewhite had the dickens and all of a time trying to get at that chap's air piece, as you may remember. I do, in a measure. "'succeeded in finding out, finally, that the carriage he drove "'was one he hired from a liveryman by the month, "'I think was the last report you gave me, "'but couldn't get any further with the business "'because Serpice took it into his head not to call for the carriage again, "'and made off this kibble-white chap didn't know where, "'and appears never to have found a means of discovering.' "'No, he didn't.' But ten days ago he got word from the liveryman that Serpice had just turned up and was about to make use of the carriage again, and off Kibblewhite cut hot foot in the hope of being able to follow him. No go, however. By the time he arrived at the stable, Serpice had already gone, so there was nothing left for the poor disappointed chap to do but to go out on the hunt and see if he couldn't pick him up somewhere in the streets. "'Which he didn't, of course.' "'Excuse me, which he did. "'But it was late in the afternoon, "'and he was coming back to the stable with the carriage empty. "'Also it was in the thick of the traffic at Ludgate Circus, 
and Kibblewhite was so afraid the fellow might mix himself up in it and give him the slip that he took a chance shot to prevent it. Nipping up the officer on point, he made himself and his business known, and in a winking in nips the constable, hauls Mr. Serpice up sharp, and arrests him for driving a public vehicle without a license. Well played, Kibblewhite, approved Cleek. That, of course, meant that the fellow would be arrested and have to give his address and all the rest of it. So Kibblewhite himself thought. But what does the beggar do but turn the tables on him in the most unexpected manner, by absolutely refusing to do anything of the kind? And as he did not have a license and would not call anybody to pay his fine, the magistrate finished the business by committing him to jail for ten days in default. And here's the thing I was ass enough to forget. His ten days' imprisonment was up this morning. Kibblewhite, in disguise, was to be outside the jail to follow him when he was discharged and see where he went. And he told me to look for him to turn up at the yard before six this evening with a full report of the result of his operations. Bravo, said Cleek, leaning back in his seat with a sigh of satisfaction. I've changed my mind about leaving you, Mr. Narkom. We will go on to the yard together. As in all probability, after ten days without being able to communicate with his pals or with Valdemar, our friend Serpice will be hot to get to them at once and explain the cause of his long absence. The chances are that Kibblewhite will have something of importance to report at last. He had, as they found out when, in the fullness of time, they arrived at the yard and were told that he was waiting for them in the superintendent's office, and in his excitement he almost threw it at them, so eager he was to report. "'I've turned the trick at last, Superintendent,' he cried. "'The silly josser played straight into my answer. "'The minute he was out of jail he made a bee-line for Soho, and me after him, "'and there he takes to earth in a rotten little restaurant in the worst part of the district. "'And when I nips over and has a look inside, there he was, "'shaking hands with a lot of Frenchies of his own kind, "'and them all prancing about and laughing like they'd gone off their blooming heads.' I sees there aren't no back door to the place, and I knows from that that he'd have to come out the same way as he went in. So off I nips over to the other side of the street and lays in wait for him. After about ten minutes or so, out he comes, him and another of the lot, mopping of his mouth with his coat sleeve, and off they starts in a great hurry, and me after them. They first goes to a barber shop where the man I was following nips in has a shave, a haircut, and a wash up while the chap that was with him toddles off and fetches him a clean shirt and a suit of black clothes. In about fifteen minutes out my man comes again, making a tolerable respectable appearance, sir, after his barbering, and in his clean linen and decent clothes. Him and his mate stands talking and grinning for a minute or so. Then they shakes hands and separates, and off my man cuts it westward. Sir, I sticks to him like a brother— I follows him smack across to the Strand and along that to the Hotel Cecil, and there the beggar nips in and goes up the courtyard as bold as you please, sends up his name to a gent, the gent sends down word for him to be showed up at once, and in that way I spots my man, 
for when i goes up to the clerk and shows my badge and asks who was the party my johnny had asked for he tells me straight and clear gentleman he's making a suit of clothes for baron rodolphe de montraven an austrian nobleman who has been stopping here for weeks cleek twitched round his eye and glanced at narkom things least hidden are best hidden he quoted smiling the dear count knows a thing or two you perceive you have done very well indeed kibblewhite here is your ten-pound note and many thanks for your services good evening kibblewhite took the money and his departure immediately but so long as he remained within hearing distance so long as the echo of his departing steps continued to sound cleek remained silent and the curious crooked smile made a loop in his cheek but of a sudden mr narkom he said quietly i shan't be found in any of my usual haunts for the next few days if however you should urgently need me call at the hotel cecil and ask for captain maltravers and call in disguise please our friend the count is keen remember the name or better still write it down but good god cleek such a risk as that no please don't attempt to dissuade me i want that man and i'll get him if getting him be humanly possible that's all thanks very much good-bye then the door opened and shut and by the time mr narkom could turn round from writing down the name he had been given he was quite alone in the room end of section thirty five